I'll tell you what, I have really been blessed already in this service, and I hope you have too. I don't know if it's just me or God just really stirring my heart or not. Maybe it's everybody, hopefully so. But uh, God has really been working on me this morning. If you've got your study guide out, you'll notice that today we're going to be taking a challenge. We're going to be accepting a challenge, one that I'm just calling an upward challenge. And the reason for that is because it's an upward focus. The challenge is to direct us toward God. But it's also an upward challenge because it's God's challenge to us. This is a challenge that's coming down from Almighty God to invade our privacy, to invade our hearts, to draw us to a place of understanding of what God wants from us as a church. Now one of the things you'll notice on the study guide is that there are six points. I can assure you there is no way in the world we're going to get to all six points this morning. I am well aware of the time. You don't have to watch the clock. I will. Uh, I know that uh, my time is short, and as a result, uh, I will adjust accordingly. It is my goal to try to get through the first three, but the way it's looking, we'll probably get through the first one. Uh, so if, if you see it getting long and, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to be here till midnight, I promise you we'll get out by 11.30 this evening, so don't give it too much thought. Uh, just real quickly, happy Grandparents' Day. Um, our kids being on the stage, part of that was for you as grandparents. We're glad you're here today. Uh, unfortunately, as packed as everything was, we didn't really get to spend a lot of time focusing on you, but we're grateful that you're here. Also, a special thing today, of course, 9-11, 15 years after such a horrible, tragic event. Uh, this evening at uh, Fellowship in the Park, our quartet will be leading us into their, their mini-concert with a tribute to this, and so make sure you're there for that this evening. Uh, that will start at 5.30, Hampton County Park, uh, Chester Frost Park, Shelter Number 4. Love for you to come and be part of that. If you notice the verse at the top of your study guide, you see Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus is talking, and Jesus is really specific here. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Okay, what God wants from us is such a focus on him. He wants us to be so zoned in, so focused, that everything else is very small in comparison. But the problem is, for most of us, maybe you don't fit into this category, but I assure you most of us do, that we focus on these other things. And we focus on building our own riches, building our own kingdom. We focus on building our prestige and our power. We focus on building all of these things. And even things that are really important to us, we get our focus on them like, like trying to support our families, trying to raise money to buy food and clothes. And God says, if you will just do one thing, everything else is going to take care of itself. If you will just seek me first. Seek me first. If you'll put your focus where it belongs, if you'll put your focus in the place in which it must be in order for you to thrive as a child of God, then everything else is going to take care of itself. He's not saying you focus on me and all of a sudden well, you don't have to work anymore, you don't have to go out and labor. That's not where this is heading. Please don't get that wrong. What he is saying is I want your focus 
to be on me. I want you to seek me first, and I want you to seek me most. And when you do that, then everything else is going to fall into place. As I was thinking about this upward challenge, and this has been a while coming, I was uh, in the middle of watching the Olympics. And for some reason, some of parts of the Olympics I really greatly enjoyed. Now, synchronized swimming was not one of my things. I don't know. I just didn't enjoy that that much. Maybe you did, but for me, it wasn't, wasn't one of my things. But some of the activities was, were things that really drew me in and compelled me to watch. And one of the things I enjoyed was when they would do a flashback into uh, one of the athletes' lives. And they would flashback and they would show the, the activities that they engage in day in and day out, seven days a week, the way they eat, their disciplines, and how all this came together to bring them to a place to where they were champion material. They were able to compete on such a stage because they had prepared themselves and they had equipped themselves ahead of time. In other words, they knew what was necessary to be done in order to be on that level. And not only did they know it, but they did it. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about our church. You know, we've got some pretty lofty goals as a church. Our purpose alone is a big deal. We exist for the purpose of glorifying God. That's a big deal. There's a lot involved in glorified God, but what we talk about in our purpose is that we're going to do that by making disciples of Jesus Christ both here and around the world. We saw part of that through our missionaries. We saw on the screen, Clip, Mary, and Isaac said it, how they're going out in our place. We're assisting them. We're partnering with them. They're going out in our place to make disciples in places we can't go. And so we're working around the world with our missionary partners to do just that. But please understand, that doesn't exempt us from having the same responsibilities right here. We have a responsibility to understand what it takes in order for us to be a successful church. In order for us to be a successful church, not in the eyes of the world, not in the eyes of other churches, but in the eyes of Almighty God. And as a result of seeing it and knowing it, then we have the responsibility to implement it, to put it into practice, to make sure we're doing everything that God has called us to do so that we move in a means in which we become everything God wants from us as a church family. So what are those things? Well, that's where the challenge comes in. As we look in the Word of God, I've just pulled six of these thoughts out. We could have pulled hundreds out, but I just pulled six out for our consideration. And the first one is simply this, that we accept the challenge of God and pray up. Upward challenge, we pray up. In other words, our prayer is focused on Almighty God. Our prayer is not focused on ourselves. It is easy for us to get into a routine where everything revolves around us. It's easy for us to get into that type of pattern of life to where everything that's happening in life is all about us. And God says, I want you to forget this stuff, and I want you to seek me first. And so God is challenging us to the matter of prayer. Now you may say, okay, why is that so important? I want you to do something for me. If you would, take your little sheet, your study guide, and flip it over. 
On the back, you see a nice clean sheet in which you can write and write and write and write and play tic-tac-toe and connect the dots. I know some of you are doing that. You're not fooling me. But what I would like for you to do instead is to simply at the top of there, write the word why. Why. You can say why pray if you'd like so you can make the connection. And then I want to give you five reasons why we must make prayer a priority in our lives. Five reasons that will fall right under this question, why. Why should we accept the upward challenge to pray? Number one, because it's through prayer that we see people saved. It's through prayer that we see people saved. Now you think about that for a second. Sometimes we get the notion to think, well, if I'm... If I'm able to converse in a proper way or I'm able to say the right things or I'm able to be uh, persuasive enough then this person's going to come to know Christ and many of us have people on our hearts right now that we've been praying for or we've been thinking about we've list on the connection card I want to see this person saved and yet what we may fail to remember is that it is through prayer that we see people saved. Yes, it involves then a follow-up. It involves a, a commandment for us to go and make disciples. It's not something we just pray and say, God, and all of a sudden, poof, they're Christians. You know, There's an involvement on our part. God's called us to go and engage people. But it has to begin with prayer. The Apostle Paul understood this very clearly. You might want to write this reference down. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 4. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 4. Paul, understanding this, asked the church of Colossae. He says, pray that I may proclaim the good news of Jesus clearly as I should. Pray that I may proclaim the good news of Jesus as I should. Now that, if it's all about the person, the person's abilities then Paul's wasting his breath here, right? Because he is obviously an incredible soul winner. The Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist, in my opinion, to ever live, he is, he is an amazing person. He, he truly lived out what he believed. And yet he was so aware that in order for people to be saved, in order for the message of Christ to come out clearly and boldly as it should be proclaimed by him, that he was in need of God's work in his life. And so he asked the people, would you please pray for me? Would you please pray for me? How important this matter of prayer is, is in salvation. I was reading a short article about the, the Billy Graham Crusades. And I was simply amazed at some statistics that were included in with this particular article. It seems that they interviewed, and I'm not exactly sure how this went, but it seems that they interviewed people who came to the conference. They even talked with friends and relatives of those who came to the conference. And they were asking questions like, uh, like why did you come? How would you get here? And they were asking relatives, do you know this person? Have you been praying for this person? And it's simply amazing what they found that 90% of the people who came to the conference either unsaved or away from the Lord were people who had others praying for them for a significant amount of time. They'd been praying for them for a significant amount of time that they would hear the gospel and that they would have an opportunity to respond to the Savior. 
But let me tell you one that's even more amazing than that is that out of the people who were saved during the conferences, and I don't know if this involves one conference or a number of the crusades, but regardless, out of the people that were surveyed, 95% of those who came to know Jesus Christ were people who had others praying for them for a significant amount of time. You see the connection here? Prayer engages heaven. Prayer gets us involved with God. It's an expression of our inability to accomplish anything of value on our own. It's our expression to God that we desperately need you in this situation. We need your involvement. We need your working because ultimately the truth is I can save no one. I don't have the ability to. But when I open the doors of heaven through my prayer... And God, through His Holy Spirit, begins to work to draw people to Himself. And all of a sudden, there's a force that goes far beyond me, far beyond my ability. And so it's so vital, it's so important that we pray because it's through prayer that we see people saved. The second thing you'll write below the question why is, why should we accept the upward challenge to pray because it's through prayer that we see people begin to witness. It's through prayer that we see people begin to witness. You think about our world. You think about how many people are in our world. You think about our nation. How many people are in our nation. You think about our little community. How many people are in our community that need to know Jesus Christ as Savior? And yet, why are they not hearing about Him? Because... There's not enough people going out and witnessing. There's not enough friends and family members with a passion and a burden to tell them about Jesus Christ. Jesus understood this. He knew that there was a problem in this area. In fact, we find in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like, sheeps without a, like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Look at all of these people, but the workers are few. So what do we do about that, Lord? The harvest is great. The workers are few. What are we going to do about that? Jesus tells them the answer in verse 38. He says, so here's what you do. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Ask him to send more workers into his field. You see, this also is a work of God. When God begins to burden us and give us a vision for people, give us a heart for people, and all of a sudden those of us who were, who were very apathetic at one time begin to be drawn to what God has called us to do, and that is be Great Commission Christians. See, it's so important that we engage heaven on our knees. And you've got friends and you've got loved ones and you've got co-workers and people you go to school with who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You want to see them saved. Then number one, you need to be praying, God, give me that heart. Give me that passion. Help me to see that these are people who without Jesus Christ are going to spend eternity paying the price of their own flame, their own sins in the lake of fire. God, give me a burden for people. 
and pray for our church. God, give us as a church a burden for people. Help us to see the lost. Help us to understand their plight. Help us to be so dedicated to you that we want to share Jesus Christ with them. How urgent it is that we engage in prayer. Number three under the question why. Because it's through prayer that we break sinful strongholds. It's through prayer that we break sinful strongholds. And maybe the stronghold is in your life, maybe it's in my life. Maybe there's something in our lives that's preventing us from being fully devoted to Jesus Christ. There's those sins that easily ensnare us and trip us up. There's those things that, that turn us away, that push us aside from following hard after Jesus Christ. And so as a result, we're not seeking Him first. We're not seeking Him most. We're not seeking Him with all of our hearts because our passion lies somewhere else. There's a stronghold in our life. But it also may be that in somebody in your family... Somebody you work with in school with, somebody in your neighborhood. You know that if there just wasn't for that one thing, this one thing that's messing with them, that you believe they would give their lives to Christ. It's a stronghold there. Something has hold of them. God tells us very clearly that He is the answer to strongholds. In fact, write this reference down if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, though we're human, we're flesh and blood, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay, here's what's happening. There's a stronghold in my life, let's say, and, and instead of accepting it and saying this is what's going on, my response is, well, it, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. And so I'm not accepting responsibility for it. God says you've got to understand that the battle you're facing is not with other people. The battle you're facing is not with somebody else. The battle you're engaged with is not flesh and blood. He goes on now. In verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not physical, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So then it becomes a work of God to destroy the strongholds in our lives. It becomes a work of God to, to push these things away so that we again begin to focus entirely upon God Almighty. It's a work of God in our lives. And so... We then must be diligent in our prayers. If the stronghold's in my life, then I need to be on my knees praying. If the stronghold's in the life of someone that I see, that I know, we need to be on our knees praying, God, please release them. The power of God needs to be evident in their lives to break these strongholds, to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Number four. It's through prayer that God directs His people. Why should we respond to the challenge and accept the challenge to pray? Because it's through prayer that God directs His people. It's through prayer that God directs His people. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6. God says, In all your ways, acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. 
In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Now, what does that mean? That means if He's first and foremost, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, then God is going to clearly direct my path. But if on the other hand, what's most important in my life is not God, but is my bank account or my position or my prestige or my friends, if that's more important to me, then I really shouldn't expect God's direction on my life. I really shouldn't expect, God, I've got a tough decision. I know that this over here is most important to me. In other words, this over here is my God. But what I want from you is in this case, I want you to lead me. God in turn is saying, you've got your God, let your God figure it out. Please listen. We have too much to do to be sidetracked. We have too much to do as a church to be heading down wrong paths. We must have God's guidance over us. That's why it's so vitally important that you pray for us as church leaders. That you pray for me and for our pastors and for our deacons so that we know exactly where God is directing us. We don't have time to waste time traveling down some rabbit trail hoping that it's going to get us to the right place. We need to very clearly know where God is directing us to make the next step. We need to very clearly know God's guidance and God's direction over our church and over our lives. We need to know that. And the way we get that is by focusing, seeking first the kingdom of God and by on our knees crying out to God on behalf of the church leadership, on behalf of ourselves and saying, God, keep us strong, keep us focused on you, and God, direct us very clearly where we need to go. Number five. Why respond to the challenge? Pray. Because it's through prayer that we experience God's power. It's through prayer that we experience God's power. The psalmist says it like this. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. What we're talking about here is not man-made. What we're talking about here is not man-orchestrated. It's not according to my abilities that all of a sudden I have the power to do what needs to be done. But it is very clearly a work of God in my life. It is very clearly a work of God in your life. It is very clearly a work of God in our church. If we want to see God do amazing things in and through our church, we must be people who are on our knees before Him, seeking His power, seeking His direction. That's what this year is all about. This year is the year of prayer and fasting. And this is the year where you see on our banners where we are looking for God's power. God's power doesn't just show up because we think we're good people or because we do a couple of good things. God works in our lives and He responds to the prayer of His people. Now there's one more thing I want to give you before we close this out. 
I think it's important when we're praying that we conclude our time of prayer with a thought or a question of God, how can I be used to work in this situation? Okay, think with me. Every evening at 9 p.m., we're asking our whole church to stop what you're doing and to pray and to seek God on behalf of our country. Ask God to bring our country back to Him. We're asking you to pray on behalf of the coming election. Ask God to put someone in office that will glorify Him. We're asking you to pray on behalf of our church that God will bring a, a soul-stirring revival to this church. And we're asking you to pray on behalf of our leadership that God will keep us strong, will keep us from temptation, from yielding to that temptation, that God will very clearly direct our lives. And in the middle of this prayer, maybe it would be positive not to just simply pray and say, God, this is what we want you to do, but to then stop and say, but God, I would like to be part of this if you would let me. This isn't all you because I know that you choose for whatever reason to work through sinful people. So God, how can I be involved to make a difference in our nation? How can I be involved to make a difference in the political process? God, how can you use me to start a revival in our church? How can you use me to encourage and to support and to motivate and inspire our workers and our leaders in our church so that they're heading down the right path, so that they stay focused on you, so that they don't get sidetracked with things? What can you do through me to make a lasting impact in these areas? And God, I'm praying for this person that they'll be saved. This is what you've directed my heart to. Now, God, how can you use me bring this person to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ I really believe that when we get beyond God I want you to do all of this and we start seeking God and saying God I want to be part of the process that God really takes note of what we're saying and so this morning I'm calling us as a church to respond to the challenge to become people of prayer if we want to be everything God's calling us to we must become people of prayer you've got people in your life that need to be saved we must become people of prayer there's something in your life going on a stronghold that keeps bringing you down and breaking you apart we must become people of prayer one verse that I'll add here Matthew 26 41 Jesus talking to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed he was talking to them and he said guys keep alert and pray otherwise temptation will overpower you keep alert guys pray Stay on your knees. This is your weapon. May God so impress our hearts that we become people of prayer.